really excited to start this uh, new series in Ephesians. So we've been, I've been waiting for like three and a half. No, it's longer than that. So Ephesians, you just got to know, Ephesians was on our first year preaching calendar. So it was supposed to be preached in 2012. And then we punted on it. God gave us Malachi and some other things, Titus. It was great. And then, and then it, back again in like 2014, we're like, remember me going away in 2014 and saying, hey, like, I think I'm going to preach Ephesians, but I'm going to go away. And I came back with like this three-year theme called Built Strong, right? And we went prophets, apostles, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone from Ephesians 2.20 because I was reading Ephesians because I thought we were going to preach Ephesians. We're finally there. And I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this for too long, which is probably why I'm going to get way too creative about this introductory message. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time. So, I mean, some of you guys are already getting to Ephesians. So grab your Bible, cheaters. I didn't say open your Bible to Ephesians yet. You guys are all trained. You guys are all trained. You're like, you looked at the bulletin and you're like, yeah, Ephesians. Okay, yeah, I'm going to just get there quick because he's going to ramble on for a little bit. All right? All right, grab your Bible. Okay? I'm never going to say this again probably in the, in the history of our church. I, I, don't, I can't fathom myself ever saying this again. Close it, right? Close it. Put it under your chair. Put it under your chair. Like this is, like visitors, this isn't normal, right? This is not what we are. We're Harvest Bible Chapel. But I want you to put it under your chair. I don't want you to be distracted by it at all, okay? All right, you got it? All right. Now, I got to get my notes still. There's a reason I told you to do that. Because I've been thinking about Ephesians for a long time. Adam, come on, man. <laughs> Obedience in church? I don't know. Like, what's up? One of our deacons is revolting. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I wanted to bring you back to the beginning, right? Um, you probably didn't have a chance. If you, if you want, grab a pen and a paper. That's great. You can, you can do that. Now you might want to write down some things, but here's the deal. Um, you need to know the history of Ephesians, right? In uh, Acts chapter 18, Paul, on a second missionary journey, uh, stops by Ephesus on his way home, <laughs> and the people are like, stay! And he's like, I can't. <laughs> but maybe, if God wills, I'll come back. And in chapter 19, he comes back on his third missionary journey, and he stays there for three years. So if you want to read about this, the beginning, you could just write down Acts 18, uh, 18 through 21, and then Acts 19. And there's this big hostile revolt, and he gets thrown out of the city kind of thing. And, and then in chapter 20, on his way back from the third missionary journey, he doesn't stop in Ephesus because he doesn't want to be told, hey, stay, okay? He goes on to Miletus, but he calls for the elders and he gives them a message. He has a heart for these people. He's been their senior pastor. He was the original senior pastor for three years. And think of this, then Timothy was the next pastor and then John, the apostle, was the third pastor. Now that's a pretty good lineup, right? This is a church's church. This is, the, this is a place, man. You want to be there. They have problems like everybody else. And, and Paul warned the elders. He's like, hey, I'm warning you, I'm warning you, I'm warning you. You got you to shepherd the flock among you, right? And it goes on. And that five years later, Paul finds himself in a prison in Rome. 
under house arrest, whether he's in prison or he's just under house arrest. And he's able to receive people and tell them about the gospel and preach, proclaim the word of God about Jesus Christ. And he's able, without hindrance, it says, at the end of Acts. Remember we preached through that? Acts 28, 30 and 31 tell you this, that he was able to receive people and he was able to preach the gospel. And that was huge because he wrote four prison epistles and this is one of them, Ephesians. And Tychicus, okay? Yeah, Tychicus. Go ahead, say it. It's kind of a cool name. You might try that. I know some of you are pregnant. You might just kind of think about that name. and It's a biblical, you know. And I don't know. Maybe not. But Tychicus was with Paul or came to Paul. Somehow got in, got out, you know. And Paul wrote Ephesians and sent it back with Tychicus. Now I want you to put yourself, I want you to imagine now. You ready? You got the background? I want you to imagine. You got you imagining? What are you imagining? Because I didn't tell you anything yet. <laughs> He's like, flat tools. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> don't, don't tell me to imagine. I'm going to imagine whatever I want to imagine. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine Tychicus with paper in hand. Probably wasn't typed. I think it was probably handwritten. Maybe on a little bit different paper than this, but this is kind of what he had in his hand. And I want you to imagine that uh, he's carrying it, right? He's got it in his satchel or his bag or whatever, and he's got to travel from Rome to Ephesus. Not, not an easy travel. How many times did Tychicus bring this out at night and read it? Do you think he had it memorized by the time he got there? At least he was going to read it passionately, that's for sure. Hey, these are the words of Paul. Can you imagine him entering the city after a long journey there, gripping this in hand, the message, and saying, nobody had a Bible. That's why your Bibles are under your chair. Nobody had a Bible. But he came into town and he told the elders and the church leaders, hey, gather everybody up. Paul sends a message. Can you imagine? We haven't seen Paul in five years, man. He's got a message? Yeah. Our senior pastor, has got a message? Yeah. Get them all, right? Everybody that used to go to church was coming back, right? To hear the word. How did he read it? Did he have it memorized? Who read it? Was it Tychicus? Was it one of the elders? Can you get yourself in that situation? Did they read it all at once? Was it like straight through or were they like, yeah, here's the first three verses. All right, come back next week. We'll tell you more. What do you think? Nobody knows. But you can use your imagination. And I want us to do that a little bit today. I think if I was somebody sitting there, when they got done reading it, what was the response? Read it again. Tell us again about what he said. I want to get that again, right? And I'm hoping your response at the end of the day will be like, I have to go home and read that. I mean, I have the copy of the Word of God in my hands. Here it is. I want to go home and read that. It's precious that we have it, and I think we could take it for granted. Anyway, Tychicus gathers these people together, 
The message is sent by Paul, and we're going to read it. And so, with no Bible in your hand, all right? With no Bible in your hand, they listen to the message that Paul wrote to them. And uh, maybe it sounded something like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have been, that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in the true and create after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be intimators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well for you and that you may live a long life in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children with anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or is free, masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychus, that the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, and you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I love how that ends. Just those two words, love incorruptible. Can't corrupt this love. Can't corrupt this love that Paul has for these saints in Ephesus, and you can't corrupt this love that we have for one another, and um, can't corrupt this love that God has for us. It's not you can't. It's incorruptible. You want to hear it again, don't you? It's like, man, I get, I, I didn't catch it all. Like I gotta hear it again, right? And I'm just like I'm thinking about it, and I'm trying to think about what was said, and then something else is said, and they must have felt that same way. They must have felt like. Hold on, I missed that part about, I want, could you read that again? We have the word of God. 
that you can read it again and again and again and again and again. I pray that you go home and read it today. And if not today, then this week. And again and again and again as we study this. We're going to be in it until June. We're going to keep going after Ephesians. And we have a lot to learn. But I want you to know this. You can open your Bible. <laughs> You're like, yes! Thank you. You can open your Bible to Ephesians. I just want to point out what he says at the very end. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. Why was Tychicus sent? You may know how we are. I want to tell you about how we are. Here's how we're doing. <laughs> he doesn't write that down in the letter, does he? Other than I'm a prisoner. So Tychicus must have been answering a lot of questions. Well, how's he doing? How's his physical condition? How's he holding up mentally and spiritually? And, and then this, end of verse 22, and that he may encourage your hearts. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff in Ephesians that's going to slap you in the face or punch you in the stomach and make you feel a certain way. But I want to say the overarching theme of the book and you need to know this is, encourage your hearts. We're setting out from now, December 3rd, until June, whenever we finish, and I want this banner to be painted over the whole thing. Encourage your hearts. Encourage your hearts. Encourage your hearts. I think we're here, we're on this planet, and it's a battle. It's a battle. And sometimes I'm a ferocious warrior, and other times I'm like on one knee, <laughs> doing the best they can not to take the helmet off, right? called salvation, and trying to just, you know, suck it up for another day. And I think over all of that, whether you're a ferocious warrior cutting down Satan left and right, or whether you're standing behind just trying to like extinguish the darts of the evil one, or whether you're down on one knee, hopefully soldiers gathering around you to fight, Right? That you would be encouraged in your heart to live for Christ because of all that Christ has done for us. So I wanted to give you a few things by way of overview, all right? And just a few words if you want to write them down. God's plan. Okay, here's, here's the first thing. God's plan. I'm really thankful for you guys listening closely. And uh, I know that's a long time to listen to the Word of God. These guys read it well. Thank you guys for reading it. And... Um, just really grateful. Read it again this week, right? That's the action point. Write that down somewhere on your paper. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read Ephesians this week. Whether all at once, so you get the whole context like we did, or chunk it up, whatever you want to do. Write this down. God's plan. All over Ephesians, God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, God's will, God's purpose, God's plan. Is there any... Doubt who's in control. No. It's God. He set it out. It was before he even created. So you might write this down. God chose us in Jesus before creation. God chose us in Jesus before creation. God chose you in Jesus Christ before he ever spoke light. You know, before he ever spoke anything. 
It's awesome. Look at uh, just a couple of verses on that. Chapter 1, verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. It was his plan. It was his will. Just skip down to verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time. I can't even comprehend the fullness of time. It's bigger than my idea of time for sure. But as a plan for the fullness of the time, from the beginning to the end, and beyond to unite all things in him, that's Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. This thing isn't just about Jews and Gentiles. This thing is about heaven and earth. It's a big deal. And it's God's plan. And he's fulfilling it and he's carrying it out. Here's a second word that I would say, love. I I hope you picked up on that. Love, 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 love. It's just love. Incorruptible love. Verse 7 of chapter 1. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, that means sins, according to the riches of His grace which he lavished upon us. Lavished love. Not just like, here's a little bit, it'll get you through the day. Like, just like, let me spread it on you thick. God's love. And then this, up at the top of uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse uh, 13. But now in Christ Jesus you who were once afar off because of our sin, right? Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's Christ's blood that brings us near, that gives us peace and hope. And then verses 18 and 22 of chapter 2. For through Him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father because of the blood. And verse 22, in Him, Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You might just write this down. Jesus brings us to God by His blood. Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow. Makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus brings us to God by His blood. God lavished His love on us, and that should help us love one another lavishly. I love you so much. And then this third word, unity. Unity. Treating each other as we have been treated by God in Jesus Christ. Uh, really in one word, forgiveness, right? Unity, forgiveness. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 4, verse 3 says, Eager 
to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then the end of chapter 4 says it. I think this might be the verse that we just need to plaster in our houses, at our jobs, in our small group, when we walk in the door for church. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, soft, soft-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How much has Jesus, how much has God forgiven you? How much is it? <laughs> it's innumerable. I can't, I can't even count it, right? I'm not even sure I grasp it. I'm not even sure I know it all. Like you should know your own sin. No, I try to forget it, actually. But he's forgiven it all. Every single bit of it. That's how we should forgive one another. You might just write this down. We belong. We belong to one body called the church. That's Ephesians. We, all of us, we belong. You belong here. God made you for this. To be part of the church. One is a key word in Ephesians. One, 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 one. Unity, one. We're one. We have different gifts. Yeah, they're to support each other so we can be one. Different personalities, yeah. <laughs> to support each other so that we can be one. Because when we're working together properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We belong to one body called the church. And then this last thing, God's plan, love, unity, these are major themes. I just want to get them in front of you. We'll be preaching on this for several months to come. Some good stuff. Encourage, right? Encourage your hearts. Encourage. Here's the word. Here's the word. Sorry. I, everybody put their heads down. That was just so clear that I was unclear. That I'll just call it out right now. Encourage your hearts. The word is strength. Do you know how strong you are? Like, I don't feel very strong today. Yeah, but you are. If you're in Christ, you have the Spirit inside of you. That is the ultimate power in the universe. You don't need Superman. You don't need anybody else. The world is enthralled with superheroes. Why? Because they want to be one. <laughs> you have one inside of you. The one. <laughs> There's nothing else. Strength. You have it. It's yours. And sometimes I don't feel very strong either, so I'm not hating, right? But that's why we need each other, right? The unity, because when, when you're weak, I'll be strong. And when I'm weak, you need to be strong, right? And we're going to go after it together. The strength. I have the power of the Holy Spirit and the armor of God. I can stand against the schemes, the wiles, the darts of the wicked one. I can stand. Right here I can stand. No matter what comes. So, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
just write this phrase down. Now, I can stand firm in the midst of adversity. I think this world's full of adversity. But now, I can stand firm in the midst of adversity. Whether it's adversity in the church, because we know churches go through adversity, don't we? Like, I care more about the church than I think you understand. Um, I just happened to be at Christ Community last night for church. And they've been going through a bit of a rough time. I was taking my son to church because he's got a basketball tournament today, and we have a rule kind of in our house, you can get to church. So we went. The service was awesome. It was a youth service. I just long for the day when we'll have our youth leading worship. Hey, Brent? And we'll have a youth pastor preaching or, or a student preaching, right? Because we make disciples. That's what we do. A fabulous youth service. And then Elder gets up and he says, hey, our pastor's resigned. 25 years of ministry. Church goes from 100 people to what? I don't know, 2,500, 3,000? I don't know. My heart hurt for the church. It's not just about our church. My heart hurts for the church in Rochester today. There's a guy named Chad that has to stand up three times and say that to the church. The pastor's he's done. That's hard. And so I would ask you to pray. The church of Jesus Christ in Rochester needs you to pray, to stand firm, to be strong today. We pray, not just for our church, for the church in Rochester, for all of us. It's a big deal. These are some of the themes. I'm going to pray right now. I don't want to move on from that. Father, I pray for Chad as he gives that announcement today. I know he's already done it once, maybe twice now. He's got one more time. Would you give him supernatural boldness and a love, a compassion to say the words he needs to say? Would you help the church to feel a love incorruptible, to be healthy? If there's some way that our church can tangibly wrap our arms around that church, would you, would you open our eyes to see it? Lord, build your church in Rochester. Strengthen it. There's so many people in this town that need you. We pray that something, some kind of love, this love incorruptible would attract them to you. We love you because you first loved us. We long to see your name be praised. God, please strengthen us for this. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. These are just some of the themes in Ephesians, and we're going to go after it again and again. There's more to come, but starting next weekend, Lord willing, uh, we're going to be in a series called Doctrine, okay? Doctrine. Because the first part of the book, three chapters, is just like, bam, this is who God is. And who God is, knowing that, now you got to know who God is, that defines who you are, right? And so it's not like, what's the practical application? I, know it, know it. You have to know it because when you know it, it defines who you are. And so we're going to spend a bunch of time 
in the first part of Ephesians on some doctrine. And so I pray that you'll be back. I pray that you bring some friends. I want to know who God the Father is. Great, next week's your chance. Here we go, right? I want to know who God the Son is. Okay, week after. I want to know who God the Holy Spirit is. Great, week after. Like, just bring your friends if they want to know who God is. And we're going to be talking about who God is and what that means to us.